Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, before we get started, we just want to remind you that if you're in the Los Angeles area, Kristen and I are going to be doing our very first live episode taping at the Nerdist Showroom on February 2nd. Yes, February 2nd, come and see us. We will also be joined by special guests Chris Farron and Brittany Nichols, who are really awesome and are going to sit with us for part of the episode. We're going to play a couple of songs, uh, and you can find out all about it and get your tickets over at nerdmelt.com. LA.com. If you are going to come, don't forget to watch Reptile Boy, Season 2, Episode 5, before you come so you'll know what the heck we're talking about. Yeah, or don't watch it and be pleasantly surprised. Exactly. (laughs) All right, here we go. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And today we are discussing season two, episode three, School Hard. School Hard was directed by John T. Kretschmer. The teleplay was by David Greenwald and the story was by David Greenwald and Joss Whedon. It originally aired on September 29th. 1997. This is the one, according to IMDb, where Buffy's mother and friends become trapped inside Sunnydale High School when a vampire named Spike launches an attack against the Slayer on parent-teacher night. Yay! Oh, man, 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 oh, man. It's pretty exciting. Holy shit. Spike is here. Spike is... Oh, okay. Well, like, Drusel is here. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. You got to take it one at a time, otherwise my head is going to pop off of my shoulders. Cool. (sighs) I feel like we need to talk about where we just were. Where we just were? Where we just were. Today is, we're recording this on the 21st of January. Doesn't go up then, so this is a message from the past. A time capsule. Um, Yesterday was... um, the Ascension. <laughs> and today, Jenny and I marched in Los Angeles with the Women's March here in L.A. Um, and I just want to say, holy shit. It was real serious. Like, we, have, we get to t- talk about Spike and Drusilla, and we just left a march where who knows how many people were there. I've seen reports of 200,000. I've seen reports of 750,000. It felt like... It felt like 750,000. It felt like 750,000. I've never, ever seen so many people in my entire life. It was incredible. It was so incredible. So we yeah. are all, all fired sorts of up. fired up uh, today. And if you marched, um, hell yes. And if you did not or could not march, uh, we are here to report that um, it was it was the biggest thing in the entire universe. I mean, there were... 
It was massive. There were so many people that I very nearly had an anxiety attack. <laughs> yes. But it was very I mean, that's there good. There were so many people that I very nearly had yeah. an anxiety attack, which is a, a higher threshold. That was upsetting to me because I, like, turned around in a panic and Jenny was in a panic. And normally I, she's, like, the rock of us in a situation like that. So I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. But uh, it was a brief panic. It was brought on panic. by a very specific set of circumstances. Yeah, we somehow wound up in the very center of the of the march, which wasn't really able to be a march because there were so many people. The people but the route was completely full of people just trying to move, which is like cool until you're like, wow, like people are kind of packed in here and we can't move. And if anybody starts to panic, but guess what, guys? It was it fine. all worked out. It all worked out, and um, it was really massive and really. Really moving. Um, and so, yeah, what I wanted to say that the completion of that thought was if you did not or could not march um, last week slash today, um, we are here to tell you that uh, there's, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, millions of fucking people who came out today to say that they will stand up for your rights and for my rights and for Jenny's rights. Pretty exciting. Really exciting. Um, back to the uh, back to the initial excitement. Right, 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 right. Spike and Drusilla, wee, wee, wee. <laughs> wee, wee, wee. All the way home. Like French wee? Like yes, yes, yes. Oh, no. I just meant like wee, 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 wee all the way home. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Got yeah. Got it. Um, but before we get there, first, we get to we get a big earful from Principal Snyder. He's got a lot to say. Oh, my gosh. He really does. He has found uh, who he perceives to be Buffy's equal in terms of behavior, morals, Ethics. It doesn't really make any sense since this other student, Sheila, has stabbed her horticulture teacher, which, by the way, horticulture class, huh? But also, stabbed? Why is she still in school? <laughs> they have a very confusing set of ethics in um, Sunny, Sunnydale High School. It is tough to right because because the only reason that we can put together that Snyder hates Buffy so much is because of shit she did before she even got to the school. Although I will say this, jumping ahead, we kind of we learned something very important in this episode at at the the, very at the very end after all is said and done, and the cops are there, which is also for the first time. Yeah, the cops are there, Um, and Snyder comes out and is talking to the sheriff or whatever. And the sheriff's like, what do you want me to report, PCP gang? And Principal Snyder's like, well, what, are, what else are you going to say, the truth? And the cop is like, you're right, PCP gang. So we know that there's a knowledge. That Snyder's tapped in to some amount of the dark underbelly right. of Sunnydale. Which, which is, you know, I was going to say maybe that's why he doesn't like Buffy, because maybe he perceives her as being tied into the dark underbelly and doesn't quite understand the op- the workings of the dark underbelly. Right, 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 right. right, right. Um, Could be. Could but be. regardless, we meet Sheila. Oh, God. And then we <laughs> almost immediately find out that Sheila's dating someone named Meat Pie. Meat Pie. Meat Pie. I'm going to I'm gonna give a standing ovation, not really, because it's hard to get up with this microphone in front of me, to the writer who decided that the boyfriend's name would be Meat Pie. <laughs> um, Seriously. Also, God... Xander's messenger bag is so big. It's so 90. It's like, it, I also had a messenger bag the same size, but it's really hard to not look at that and also everything else that he wears. And think about it, how oversized it is. Yeah. Listen, let's skip over Xander for a second and talk about Willow. I screamed <laughs> Willow's name um, as though I was seeing her for the first time when I saw her in this scene where she comes out and she's in 
the overalls with the braids in her hair. And mm-hmm. she's, I think, wearing maybe some, like some lipstick and some eyeliner. Woo! She is like Willow. Like, Ladies night. I don't know. I just like, I know, right? I've We've seen the series, Jenny, 408 times, me once. And um, I, I know Willow. I love Willow. And honestly, this is like the first time I feel like I got to see the Willow that I came to love. Right. Right. Very recognizable. Which makes sense since I only started in season two last time. So that actually is the Willow that I first came to know and love. But she just, she was looking like, you know, she was looking like Willow. (laughs) I was really excited about it. We also have this great moment where uh, Willow and Buffy are talking to Xander and Xander says the thing that you never say. Yes. I want to as talk about this. As long as nothing really bad happens. This is, I'm Xander in this equation. You are. You do this all the time. And, and I wonder, because I have like huge superstitions around saying stuff like that. Um, anything like that. Like when I used to watch football all the time and the like announcer would be like, well, he's made this 47 yard kick at least 12 times. It's going to be an easy one for him. I would be like, no. Why'd you say that? Yeah. <laughs> Also, you guys, I don't watch a lot of football, so I'm not sure about 47. I think that's a hard that was kick. Great. That was great. I think that's a far. I think that's far it to be. Sounded like real numbers. But I don't know. You can let me know. <laughs> but anyway, I feel the same way that Buffy and Willow feel. Total jinx. It was a total jinx, you know? And it really was. And it was. Because something bad does happen, yeah. as we see in the next cut. Listen, something great happens in the next cut. I mean, it's bad overall, but... Holy shit. I forgot. I I forgot. I, I think because I didn't have any emotional attachment to Spike. Right. When the I saw this. Saw right. What a fucking entrance. Just blasting through the Welcome to Sunnydale sign oh. in his old black beat up car. And, that, and his boots come out yep. and like hit the floor and then yep. his cigarette, cigarette takes a big drag. He's all like, home sweet home. <laughs> ah. And credits. Oh, and credits. Very satisfying. And then... Okay, after the credits, we go to the, like, lair. I'm just going to call it a lair forever, even though it's not the original lair. Um, We go to the warehouse where they all hang out now. And I hate the anointed one. I think The worst. I mean, the worst. But, like, I just don't feel he runs a good business. You know, it's like some vampire walks in and is like, I can kill the slayer. And he's like, fine, you do it. And then some other guy walks in and is like, but I can kill the slayer. And the anointed one is like... (laughs) You're right. You do it. Like, I just feel like he has no reasoning and he trusts everyone and it's what very What would you weird. suggest that he have them fight to the death and the winner kills the slayer? Because you're just reducing the numbers of your cult at that point. I think I would at least suggest he ask them a couple of questions. You know what I mean? Right, right. What's your history? Well, I think um, Spike makes an unfortunate bunch of statements. Uh mm. Sorry, Spike Listen, says some problematic things in this episode. Spike says, "Let's just let's just let's, let's just, just talk about this. it right away. Let's just get it up at uh, the front because he says Nancy. Boy. Hold on a second. Oh. I I want to say that you know Jenny and I are very big Spike fans. We we love Spike, and and so Spike, like Cordelia, is is likely going to get a jingle, but not for this episode. No. No, we were all ready to write it, and then we watched this episode, and I was like, okay, well, you know what? You got to earn your jingle, Spike. Yeah, you can't just run around saying Nancy Boy. Nancy Boy. And Uncle Tom. And Uncle Tom. Those are, and no. You know, yeah, that's the thing is, I think they're just no all around. Like, I, I see how perhaps one might say, like, well, we're trying to frame a character, and Spike is coming in as the, as the big bad, right? I mean, he is the big bad, and... But I think maybe you could make a person the big bad without giving them these lines 
that are really problematic. Mm -hmm. So calling out Spike on Nancy Boy, super calling out Spike on Uncle Tom. And also the biggest wrinklies the big- <laughs> what a bummer biggest wrinklies and also there's a moment where he where when uh joyce and we'll talk about this more when we get there but when joyce uh comes to the rescue where he leaves and he says women oh i liked that <laughs> you didn't That's, like that i liked it because you say it all the time but you being a woman i think right have there's more claimed... inherent irony right um right well I th- I think I yeah. There's probably no good argument. No, for this. I mean it's it's certainly less. I think I find it less problematic right, than right, the others. Right. But um, but still a list. But of, there is a like list something spike here. Just uh, staying with you at that moment a little bit later in the episode about like, you know, him going toe to toe with Buffy, and you know she's really not. I mean she's like delivering the goods right. you know and giving him a good match and like he is about to bash her face in or whatever with that log two by four yeah and then joyce cracks him over the head there's something about like he's been like oh nancy boy this and the biggest wrinkly's that and then like buffy and her mom are like oh yeah yeah suck on this yeah <laughs> And there's something, like, really satisfying about seeing him, like, beaten and his retort just being, like, women. Well, and it's interesting because, and and we're really, now we're really jumping all over because we're jumping to the end. But I do want to just say that it's interesting to me in that scene that he leaves because he's not outnumbered. I mean, No, and he's not even, like, out manned really no. like like out muscles right exactly I, I mean he could have kept fighting but i think and what we really learn is that he's like oh this is a different situation this slayer right, right, has right. other people on her team whereas we um, historically the the slayer has been a very like sort of solitary right, being right right so that worldly ties so that's really interesting and ties into all the things we've been saying about the scoobies from the beginning that you know they really support her in ways that i don't think a slayer has been supported in the history of Slayerdom. For real. Right? Um, so leaping backwards now. Yes, let's get back, <laughs> back to, to the Spike, the Spike and the, you know, the anointed one is like, you do it. Okay, you do it. Um, so Spike is now going to kill Buffy. Um, Spike has a, a line I enjoy where he talks about being at Woodstock. Speaking of gather, oh large gatherings of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, luckily, at today's large gathering, Jenny and I were spared from the vampires yep. who were in attendance. We were not fed upon. We were not. Um, but he talks about how he fed on a flower person uh, <laughs> who was apparently, you know, tripping on acid because then Spike, uh, apart from feeding, also gets the effects of the drug, which I thought right. was funny. And. What I do, what I do love about um, about the the like swaggy sort of like machismo part of this character introduction is that almost immediately we see the other side of Spike's coin, which is Drusilla wanders into the room, and before she speaks, he like senses her, and as he turns to reply to her his face immediately changes back yeah. to his human face which is like so tender yeah. <laughs> i love it their creepy love is so awesome yeah their creepy love is pretty awesome also i like i just screamed the entire episode i just screamed she really did because i i just i'm so excited <laughs> i'm like i'm so excited that spike is here and i'm so excited about Drusilla, whose first line is Look at all the people. <laughs> <laughs> her 
stupid little voice. I love it so oh, much. And so then good. she goes into this monologue where she's like, do you like daisies? Yeah. Yeah. I plant them, but they die. Everything I plant withers and oh, dies. Oh, dear. Oh, and my then, God. And then she scratches Spike's cheek yes. till it bleeds. And then she licks the blood, which tells us the vampires have blood, I guess, running through their veins, hmm. even though it's... Room temperature. <laughs> I'm not really sure if it's just the same blood. We're not really we're not really clear on the sort of like biology of vampires. When they suck blood, does it just go into their stomachs or does it go into their veins, veins. or like what's right. going on there? It would it would seem to make sense, even though they call it feeding, that when they're feeding, the blood is going into their veins because it's like keeping them. Like I can't, which yeah. would mean that vampires wouldn't go to the bathroom. Do we ever see a vampire in a bathroom? I think we, we do. do, but I can't. I couldn't say for sure without well, a cursory Google. Uh, of course, of course. Um, well, and we don't want to spoil. I mean, you know, let them have their big bathroom vampire reveal right, in right. real time if it does happen. But also, yes. regardless of like whether the blood they suck is going into their veins or not, is the blood that one might lick off of Spike's open wound sustenance is it like a sustaining no. blood for I can't a vampire imagine. or that that was just like uh i think it was just romantic. sexy yeah i think it was a sexy thing for sure i think wow <laughs> i think that's what was happening there so so now we've met trusilla and spike yay and then we cut to buffy's room there's this scene right where like she is mad about her conditioner and her mom is like are you ruining school and she's like no and her mom's like I don't know you better not disappoint me Buffy's like I'm under a lot of pressure right Joyce is like wait till you get a job right and, and then, then and then <laughs> and this is what my note is why I had to talk about this scene because then Buffy pulls out now we've already seen her go into her closet and take out a chest that's like so big of yeah but you know uh communion wafers and tools and yeah, holy yeah. water stakes across now she just opens up a drawer in another part of her room that has no, it's not hidden at all. It's not like she removes a book from on the top of it. It's just like a whole bunch of shit, stakes and a Bible and I don't brass even know. Brass knuckles, but like spiked brass knuckles. Ooh, spiked, you say. So, I do say. Um, and then for some reason the, write, the writer uh, had to hit us over the head with the fact, I think we all got the fact that she, she was does like, have a job. I do have a job, <laughs> but then, then out loud she was like, I, I have, have a job. I do have a job. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you for that. So, then we're at school, they're making a banner. And Willow's wearing another Scooby shirt. Oh my God. Second one we've seen. Second one we've seen. <laughs> and Jenny, Calendar, and Rupert are having a conversation about Rupert. You called how... him Rupert because she calls him Rupert. Yeah. She's all like, Rupert, you have got to read something published after 1066. Uh... Sick burn, Jenny Calendar. <laughs> and he's all like, yes, Jenny was surfing. Like surfing on her computer. Surfing on her computer, not surfing the net, surfing on her computer. Just think about that for a minute i want to talk about something here and i don't know and maybe you all will let me know but i don't know what the relevance is here or if it was done on purpose but in this scene where because buffy's making the sign right she's been told she has to plan the pta meeting that's the deal she has to plan the pta meeting and her and uh what's her face what's her name sheila Sheila, her and Sheila have to plan this PTA thing, and if they don't do a good job, somebody's getting expelled or whatever. That's the plot. Oh, um, but so she's making this sign, and she has a red, like she's using red paint, and there's a red streak down the same cheek 
that Spike's red streak was down when Drusilla cut yes. it. And it. What does it all mean? It just seems like it's too... I mean, it's identical, nearly. You know, it just seems like it's too blatant to not have been done intentionally. But I can't quite figure out what the intentionality is. Um, so, I'll leave it to you. Let me know. Let me know all your mm, thoughts. Yes, please. Um, and then we go... To the bronze. To the bronze. So many highlights. First of all, Xander dancing. Oh, God. Yeah. I, Xander dancing LOL is my full yeah. note. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed this scene. This that moment of seeing Xander dance. I yeah, like, it's great. It's great. He's really getting into it. He's really finding his groove. You yeah, know? I'm sure that's how I danced when I was a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, also, another highlight of the scene, uh, go back and check out the drummer's <laughs> right wrist, the wrist that he's holding his uh, hi-hat stick in. It's almost as if he were balancing the drumstick in the middle of his palm and then just sort of closed his fingers around yeah. it like a Venus flytrap and then held it like that yeah, it's very to odd. play the drums. What um, a delight. I love this scene when we see Spike watching when her. When he's a stalking. It, it, yeah, the, the Spike stalks Buffy scene. I just, I loved it. I felt like the mood was so perfectly creepy and stalkery and like the shots of Buffy, the way that like she was framed in the center dancing and he was all in shadow. Mm-hmm. I just loved it. I loved the, the composition of it all and I really loved... Um, what it, what it like informs us about Spike, right? Because he, you know, he gets a bad rap in this episode from the other vampires and stuff for for like rushing into things. Mm-hmm. But really, what we see in the scene is him like casing this. He not only is like casing her out in the bronze, but then he has another vampire go out so he can watch how she fights. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really like in the beginning, he's pretty meticulous about this, and then I think he's like, I can take her, you know. So then yeah. he's like, why wait? Yeah. You know what I really like about this? What? Uh, after Spike goes up to those two people who are standing near the Scoobies and is like, where's the phone? I need to call the police. Some guy <laughs> is trying to bite somebody outside. And right. then Buffy dashes into the alley. And of course, the two people who he says that to don't tell him anything about where the phone is. They just sort of look at him and then keep dancing. Yeah, they're like, another person's getting bit? Oh, yeah. Right, right. right. So Buffy's like out there fighting that vampire and is like, a steak would be nice. Xander runs back into the bronze and points for continuity. The first thing he pulls out of Buffy's purse is her red butterfly yo-yo from last week. Oh, wow. I didn't notice that. The second thing he pulls out is a tampon, (laughs) which he, as soon as he recognizes what it is, he flings it away from him as though it were a large spider. And I think he even shakes his hand to, like, get the tampon cooties off. Not to, like, not to take us back to the march today, but one of my favorite signs at the march (laughs) just said, he hates periods. That was the whole sign. (laughs) He hates periods. Were they talking about... Punctuation, uh, were they, well, blood. I just meant were they were they, were they referring to our president or were they referring to Xander? Ooh, good question. Right? Mm-hmm. I think Xander. It's safe to say at this point just fears periods. Oh, and Lord, I did not mean that as a comparison between the two. No, 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 no. no. I mean, I have some problems with Xander, but I would but never. Like... I would never. <laughs> would not come. Not even no. No, but he does an. Ama- Nick Brennan does an amazing job of of uh, <laughs> that like physical yeah acting. I really like that. That's probably what I did with tampons when I was in high school. My Xander. Oh, oh. Do we have to investigate this further? No, definitely. Let's let's H- not. High Just trust you? me that I am not. 
<laughs> but you sound a little guilty, but well, I don't identify with his like extremely unfavorable attributes, but All right. uh, some of his le- less unfavorable right. attributes I'm into. Right. I, I see myself scared More. of a tampon and so on. Okay. <laughs> uh, so then we're. Uh, and Spike's all like, Saturday, I'm going to kill you. Right. And then we go to commercial break. <laughs> right. Um, oh my God. And then, I don't know exactly where we come back, but the first thing that I noted was that Sheila. Is walking down the alley. now. One I, of Sunnydale's many. Of course. Many creepy back alleys. Of course. Um, oh my gosh. Wait, wait, wait. We just talked about a sign that said he hates periods and we didn't say the, <gasps> the patriarchy. patriarchy. Sorry. I know we would have had more opportunities to get there, but. Yeah, yeah. But just, that was a bit, that was an important one. <laughs> um, so anyhow, Sheila, who I think this actress or the the director, I don't know, but somebody's taken a page out of Ali Sheedy's book from The Breakfast Club here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not nailing it, in my humble opinion, but I, I just felt a lot of overlap between their character like traits and the way they spoke and whatever, you right, know? Right, right. Um, but so, you know, off Sheila goes and she's walking with two guys and she says like something about a, a Cadillac. Do you really have a Cadillac? And then, because I'm just crazy about a cad. Who has ever called what? a Cadillac a cad? Sheila. Number one. Just Sheila. Just crazy about a cad. <laughs> so then, right, and then Sheila, whatever, who cares? I don't care. Listen, let me tell you a secret. I do not care about Sheila. Me neither. I don't I don't know if I was supposed to, but I never cared about her, not for one minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so whatever. Let's, can we please talk about the library where... Oh, God. Okay, so they're talking <laughs> about Spike, and Giles is like... Huh. Uh, he's not as uh old as Angel. Oh dear, he's he's bad. He's very very bad. And then from out of nowhere comes Angel. He's worse or yeah. whatever he says. And he's got his like sort of neck stretched out and down to make his like head which reminded me of last week that. being in here with Cameron who wondered can Angel fly? Because yeah. cuz maybe yeah. Maybe, yeah. Like, maybe... We don't know he can't. He, he just... He's always appearing so quietly, which is noted in the show. I mean, Xander... Oh, yeah. Suggests putting a bell on, on Angel. Great, Great idea. Great idea. Great idea. I really think we should all employ that. We're always startled by Angel. Um, oh, God. And we also meet Miss Edith. We meet Miss <laughs> Edith. Did I skip? Did you have more to say about that scene? Uh, no, no, no. Willow's got that great, why did they call it a mace moment. But oh, that was the last thing I had to that say That is a great the library moment. Because, well, and that's a funny, I mean, Willow is calculating how many dates uh, Angel might have gone on in the last 200 years. Even if, <laughs> even if he only went on two dates per year. Yep. Oh, I love yep. Willow. Yep. Um, but right, then, then of back course. Back at the anointed warehouse. Back at the anointed warehouse. We see that Drusilla not only is Drusilla in all the ways we've already learned, but that she has a doll collection. And one of her dolls, Miss Edith, has misbehaved and must turn around and face the wall. <laughs> oh, why? Why do I love her so much? Juliet? Is it Juliet Landau? Landau yeah. Um, She's so great. I'm, I'm really hopeful that we can uh, have her on the show with us uh, because she is phenomenal. She's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, we're just we just met her and James Marsters playing Spike, and like, just in one episode, they leave such 
uh, a detailed and heavy footprint. Well, and I, and you know, you all can correct me if I'm wrong on this because I did just see it written somewhere. I did not source check this, but um, I saw in a couple of places it said that the original character arc for Spike and Drusilla was two episodes. Yeah, I've read that also. Right? And that, and that, well, and we see what happens. Yeah, right. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Just amazing. And they're, and they're incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, wow. I wrote down, this is the greatest romance in the entire Buffy universe. You think uh, Spike and Drusilla have the greatest? I well, at wow, least wow, thought wow, it while wow, I was wow, watching wow. this episode. Wow. I was like, holy shit, this is so good. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What a thing to say. There are so <laughs> many romances. Right, right, right. And there are, listen, I'm not saying. No, I'm not even contesting it. I'm, I I actually think it could be a valid pick. But... I don't believe in favorites and I don't believe in bests. Is that 
That's that's fair. Can but you hear me? I can hear you. And um, but I, I, I but agree. But I think this one is great. It is it is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And um, if, if you're watching along with us for the first time, I am Buckle up. Buckle up and I am so jealous of you. I yeah. really truly am. Um although I forget a lot, so it is Yeah, you I, you could be jealous of yourself. It really felt like bit. I was watching this for the first time. Um I think because I it's the first time I'm watching it with a love for the characters already. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really special. Also, I just want to say when we first cut to the anointed warehouse, uh, you hear in the background a bunch of the vampires doing some St. Vigius chanting. Right. And what I want to say about this is, uh, Kristen was raised Catholic. Sometimes at Christmas we go to Catholic church. Uh, <laughs> and there's this like soup that, I have many feelings about going to church, but one thing that I really love about it is the sick like, fourths and fifths chanty Gregorian vibes where like the priest will be like na 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 and then he goes and he does some stuff and fall and then the whole <laughs> and the whole congregation then goes the mystery of faith and it's super sick I'm away that's my jingle that's my jam the mystery of faith absolutely um and the the vampires chanting to Saint Vigius sounds mm. very Catholic or very Gregorian yeah. or something. Referred to as the patron saint of vampires, which I enjoyed. I looked it up just in <laughs> case there was a Saint Vigius, but I could not find a, I think it is a created saint. Yes, I, I think you are right. I mean, I knew, well, I didn't know. I imagined that if there was a Saint Vigius, he was not, he or she. We don't, do we know the gender of Saint Vigius? I don't think we do. I think they say he. Oh, they do. Damn it. <laughs> the patriarchy. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I, I thought maybe it was pulled from something, you know, like there was a St. Right. Vigius and maybe. Perhaps his chapters were deleted uh, mm. in the last, somewhere in the last 2,000 years. Mm, I don't I know would, if there was uh, one opportunity to delete one thing out of the original text It of would the have Bible been the patron saint of vampires. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I would like to just give a shout out to um, Spike's. What I referred to in my notes as Spike's duster sexy move. Oh, my God, where he whips it over he, his hip. Yeah, and I, like, I don't know. I can't know what actually happened in that scene, if that was planned or not. But I like, think it was an accident. It, right? Because right? it seems like he gets caught in the jacket. Yeah, and then he just whips it over but very he, sexily. Yeah, he's like, I know, I'll fix this scene. We won't even have to do another take. I'll Ugh. just sexily whip it. What a dreamboat. <laughs> nailing it. Yeah, totally nailing it. Speaking of dreamboats who totally nail it. We cut back to the library, and finally, Cordelia is here. <laughs> I had to wait all the way until Act 2 for Cordelia this, yeah, this yeah. episode. Just in time to slide a little switchblade in between Xander's ribs. Right, right. Also, she says here um, that she has to get her legs waxed. Um, she actually says she has to get her legs waxed. Legs? She has a leg wax. Wow. Just but what I noticed is that it seems like, and I didn't really thoroughly investigate, but it seems like she's just wearing a dress with, like, regular shoes uh, and not, like, stockings or tights or anything. And so, so how often does she get her legs waxed? Well, you can't. I don't get wa I've never gotten waxed in my life. I'm not a waxer. Um, but from what I understand, you have to do some grow out in order to mm. wax. You can't wax stubble because the wax won't hold the hair. And so I was a little confused about the fact, which probably is believable as a line because probably Cordelia was lying. But, um, right. but you know, I just. I'd be there myself if. If I didn't have a leg wax. And then I was like, but you don't even. That would. Okay. Uh, <laughs> also, Cordelia is wearing a fucking banana clip in her hair. Oh, that's just your favorite. You love a banana did clip. You, did you? You never had a banana clip, did you? 
Uh, can't say for sure. Wow, you don't remember? Like, probably not. Do you know like, what a banana clip maybe is? Maybe a real girl left one at my house one time, and oh, then wow. I was like, oh, a totem of real girlhood. I should hold on to this in case the opportunity should ever arise that I would somehow know how to do with, uh, know what to do with this I and see. then do it. Oh, I loved a banana clip. I think I would still love a banana clip. Like, they're pretty great. They cu- they just scoop all your hair up into they one. Get it all in there. Little thing. Although Cordelia is using her banana clip with an additional twist or something. I would just put all my hair in it and it would kind of fall out the back. Mm. You know, I think that was the style, but that was more in the 80s. Anyway. You know what? You, you know, know what? what? You know what we haven't touched on yet? What? We haven't touched on... The the sweet opening shot of like Willow holding the crossbow, Xander whittling the stakes, Buffy wielding a machete that she's using to chop crudite. Yeah, yeah. That is all. Yeah, but it's pretty great. So good. It's pretty great. Although I will say that those cucumber slices are too thick to really. And what be a usable. great what a great um little metaphor for Buffy's life, right? Right, I right. Mean, there, there it all is. That she must use the weapon that she's killing vampires with to also cut cucumbers for school. Intersectionality. Yeah, there you have it. All in a machete, everyone. So then I don't have a t- like the, the next note I have is the end of this like act. Um, mm. But but we obviously we go through the whole parent teacher meeting. Parent teacher night. Um, some some great lemonade based comedy yeah, happening yep, in yeah. this scene. <laughs> Truly, there really is so many lemonade. There, there are so many lemonade-based jokes. Yeah, yeah, both, yeah. Both in like verbal and physical comedy yeah. spaces. We get Willow's reaction to tasting it. We get Willow signaling to Joyce, "Don't you don't want lemonade?" Right. We get uh, Buffy spilling it on Snyder. Oh, yeah. And then we get uh, Willow when Cordelia's being really just unnecessarily mean. We get Willow telling her to have some lemonade. Yeah, Cordelia's super. Like her smile when. Um, when the principal when principal Snyder takes Joyce away and they like reframe that shot, which is really done, I think, very beautifully, where like Cordelia moves from the left side of the screen to the right and then it's framed so that Cordelia's is Cordelia's face is closest, then Willow and then Buffy, and they go in like a diagonal, mm-hmm. getting further away. Just like that. Um and the smile on her fucking face. And then she's like, You're gonna be fucking grounded until our ten year reunion. Yeah, like she's why actually she even mean in this episode about it. It's unclear it why unclear. she's so mean. I stand behind her in any of her decisions, but... Yeah, yeah. But still. Um, yes. Then we go back to the library where Giles is in extreme study mode, and he has made two important discoveries. Mm. Number one, mm-hmm. Spike's name before it was Spike, before you earned the name <gasps> oh, Spike yes. by torturing his victims with railroad spikes. His name was William the Bloody. Mm-hmm. That's important. And also, he discovers that Spike has faced two slayers in the past and has killed them both. Right. Yo. Right. Which we get to dig into, right? Like that's a that's a part of Spike's history that we will get to explore a little more. Yeah, we'll learn a little bit more about that. A little bit more about that. Um because I, I just said that because I feel like I know more about it. Um so then Joyce talks to Snyder. Joyce comes out and is like, in the car. Such a now. mom. She fucking nails it. Of course she does. Christine Sutherland is a fucking genius, and I hope we have her on the show as well. Um, but before they can get to the car, 
The window smell. Well, first of all, before they can get to the car, Snyder turns off every light in the <laughs> Even school. though parent-teacher night is still totally underway. Right. But I liked it because I, I felt it was intentional. She I was felt like, you can't stay here. You don't have to go home. But you can't stay here. Well, But I felt like, um, I felt what it signaled was that he was there to talk to Joyce. And uh, once he had done that, he didn't give a fuck anymore. And he was like, now everybody leaves. Please. Ugh. ugh. Oh, he's the worst. He, he's the best, though. I love him. Um, but the worst, yes. Anyhow, then crash, bang, Spike boom. Spike and co. Yep. They um, come crash. And beautiful, a beautiful entrance. Yeah. Yay. Here, yeah, yeah. this vampire gang. Um, and they go chasing after everyone. This has probably my favorite moment. Uh, no, it's definitely not my favorite moment in the episode because there's so many. But uh, one of my favorite moments is when we see Cordelia get grabbed mm-hmm. and Willow mm-hmm. comes up with a fucking statue. The bust. A bust and wails that vamp and grabs Cordelia and whisks her into the utility closet. and I think between this save and their ensuing time together uh, in the utility closet where Cordelia has already spent a significant amount of time in... Yeah, Cordelia loves the utility closet. ...out of mind, out of sight. Uh, I think they might just deserve a special little trophy called the Sexual Attention Award for this episode. Oh, yes. Even though you'd think the obvious choice, Spike and Drew, right? No, but there's there no tension is. there at all. Right, there's it's just, just sexual. All sexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> yeah, either the runner-up for me was Xander and Angel again. They oh, just, yeah, they've they really got an old married couple thing. Yeah, going on. they really need to make out already. But mm-hmm. you know what? The only people who need to make out more, and I, I'm gonna just say this. I think Cordelia and Willow made out in this episode. For oh, real. really? I think we didn't see it's this. It's in the subtext. It's in this. Yeah, I think that what I think that what we all know, <laughs> because it's just like they get in the closet and like they have these this dialogue where Willow is like, "Well, what are we gonna do now?" Ho hum, and then she's like, "Pray." Right. And I'm like, "That's uh-huh. code. That's yeah. code." Also. <laughs> This also just reminded me, because I'm sure there's Cordelia and Willow fan fiction, but um, oh, yeah. we talked, I think, back in Out of Mind, Out of Sight about there being, like, the potential for Cordelia on Cordelia fanfic. As That was a joke that we made. But it turns out, based on mm-hmm. some quick research by our friend Cameron, not Esposito, but a whole other Cameron. <laughs> Cameron Glavin. Cameron Glavin uh, reported back after listening to that episode of our podcast and let us know that there are at least two at least two <laughs> Cordelia on Cordelia fanfics available on the internet. If that's something you're into, go forth and seek your pleasures from the world. If that's not something you're into, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do really want to know what happens. Me too. I think that we should make it our special assignment to make oh. sure we get our hands on some Cordelia on Cordelia so we can report back Oh my god! to those who might be afraid to Google that. What a great idea. <laughs> um... Cool. So, so we, Willow and Cordelia are making out. Right, right. And, and Buffy is taking command. Yeah. Buffy is on it. This She's is incredible. Like General Summers. General Summers, who gets everyone to listen to her, including Principal Snyder. Kinda. Kinda. Right. But he does, like, run in the room. I mean, I, I really think that if, if we were to believe Principal Snyder to be who Principal Snyder is... Uh, he probably would have made the wrong decision and gotten himself killed before he got in that room. Yeah. But then it's confusing because then, like we said, he knows that something's up. He knows that there is, like, a dark force of some kind. We don't know if he knows that there's vampires per se, but 
Right. So maybe yeah. I don't know. I I'm, I need more on Snyder. Need- You've just made me realize mm. that Principal Snyder kind of reminds me of the lawyer in Jurassic Park. Hmm. Who Go dies on. in the jaws of a T-Rex after abandoning the kids right. and hiding in a small bathroom structure. Right. We're happy about that death, right? And when we Yeah, want. he was a jerk. He was a jerk. I wouldn't be happy about a Snyder death. But No. But no, I see your point. But, I was, yeah, just, there is I was having there. feelings over here. Oh, sorry. sorry I was sorry. lost in my own feelings world. <laughs> um, but yeah, good comparison. Thank you. Great job, Jenny. Uh, I would like to make a small note here about how fucking strong the doors at Sunnydale High School are. Oh, my God. Like, no one can get through them. They it's take A riot-proof high school? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder- you know, my college, SUNY Purchase, mm-hmm. uh, what everybody says is that it was built uh, not long after there were a lot of college riots happening. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so the 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 whole campus, like where all the classroom buildings are, is gradually stepped yeah. to make it more difficult uh, to like drive stuff over or whatever. Yeah. And the doors are like super heavy. You know, I'm I'm responding to you the way I am, being like, yeah, yeah, because I went to SUNY Binghamton. And is it the same? It is. Oh wow. It is. Yeah. And then they they were always called riot stairs when we were there. I lived huh. in. Um, the dorms that I lived in at SUNY Binghamton while I was there were, were called College in the Woods. And there were like five, like a cluster of five dorms. And they were split with these riot stairs, which like are great for preventing riots, I suppose. But really poor for a bunch of very drunk college students. Because uh-huh. they're like, the, the stairs go on like one diagonal and the railings go on the opposite diagonal. What? It's like it was like a whole. Th- it was very. It was a lot, and and things were broken up like that too in mm-hmm. parts of the campus. I don't think the yeah. whole campus, but like the parts built after the riots, like after wow. after the riots, as though it just was I a one time thing in one generation. Um, anyhow, uh, yeah. So maybe Torrance High School has some riot doors. If the insides are the interiors, do we have any reason to believe that the interiors are an actual high school and not? A build on a soundstage? I would imagine it would be a soundstage, but I don't know. Something mm-hmm. to look into. Yes. Or, or just email us. Right. That's the thing. You know We don't already. even have to look into things anymore. We just say, like, I wonder. And then we get emails <laughs> being like, we know, we know. It's great. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Please. Um, I had a little fun note here. I know it's a different trophy case, but there's a scene. And actually, I read. I didn't notice it, but I read that. Uh, when Spike is walking down the hall, his reflection gets caught in something, Oops. which was a, a little mistake. A little mistake. Um, but in that scene, which I think is the same scene, uh, he walks down the hallway past a trophy case, but not the trophy case where Amy's mom is hanging out. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, it looks like it's in a different part of the school. But I still had a moment where I was like, I pictured Amy's mom's little eyeballs in the cheerleading statue, like watching this all go down in the high school. You know, because she's just trapped in there. At least she has good entertainment. Yeah. There's a lot going on in the high school. It's oh daytime, nighttime. Oh, my God. Um, cool. So Xander goes to get Angel, Yay! which is where our, our second you know, romance starts to blossom. Right, right. When they find each other again. And um, he doesn't want to, of course, because he wants to make sure that Buffy and that Willow are okay. But as a, as a good Scooby does, he realizes, uh, per Giles' instructions, that the more important thing is to go get Angel. So he does. Yep, yep, yep. And then we have this scene where, right, 
Angel is Angel doesn't tell Xander what's going on for obvious reasons, I think, because right. Xander has to actually be scared. To make it real. Right. Although I feel like Xander being like, I knew you were faking it, Mr. Evil Undead guy, may tip his hand a little bit that he like no does know what's going on. Yeah. Well and he right. I don't know. Well, regardless. Regardless, we have this this meeting. This meeting between Angel and Spike. Very important, this meeting. Yes. And we watched the episodes twice, as many of you know from listening to our podcast and hearing us talk about it all the time. <laughs> um, but the first time through, I didn't notice. The second time through, you didn't even notice. And I had us pull it back because when Spike and Angel hug for the first time, it is very obvious on Spike's face that he knows immediately upon hugging Angel that something's up and that it's not angelus although spike calls him angelus right there's this discrepant this pronunciative yeah. discrepancy um but regardless spike is on to angel here um and you know makes him believe that he believes him for a beat and then clocks him right he just punches him in the yeah face. yeah 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 so um <laughs> and we learn well we learn that angel has sired spike that is what is said. That is what is said. Spike well, says, "You are my sire. You are my Yoda." Right, and we can we'll talk about this a little more in future episodes. Um, actually, right now, I don't think we've learned. Oh yeah, we have learned what siring is because of Darla and Angel. I thought maybe we hadn't because Xander has a line where he's like, "What does it mean to sire?" Um, but we, yeah, I can't remember the exact information that was exchanged about Darla. Right, but, but we yeah, whatever. Anyhow, so that happens. Um, and then, and then what? And then we're... Well, we haven't mentioned yet that, um, there's this great scene where Snyder's being a baby and he's all... Right. Getting, he's fixing to hop out the window and Joyce is like, uh, what are you doing? You're going to get us all killed. And Snyder's like, I'm a little baby. I do what I want. <laughs> and then somebody else joins him. That guy gets eaten as soon as he gets halfway out the window. Mm. Then Joyce seals the window back up and is like... You're the worst. And yeah. Snyder's like, I'm starting to see a certain mother-daughter resemblance. Which is pretty tight considering how this arc goes with Buffy and Joyce. Seriously. Right? Because you do. I mean, you see Joyce is tough as fucking nails in this episode. Yeah, she's and so I, great. Like, I know that Buffy is the slayer, so she automatically gets to be tough as nails regardless of her parentage. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go and say that I think her parentage has a lot to do with her badassery. Um, because fucking Joyce, are you kidding me? Turning back around with her axe coming in there? Yeah. Come on. Pretty badass. So badass. And the way she talks to Snyder and the way that she trusts Buffy. Like, yeah. I mean, yes. you know, she's scared, but she's still like, forge forward. Yeah. Go, go for it. Which actually reminds me, I mean, you know, we're talking about the march a bit, but we're all fired up, so forgive. Um, but I, I do uh, weekly live streams on face on auto straddle. I don't know if you know auto straddle, but they're a brilliant uh, site for queer and trans women um, and other humans. And they host me on their Facebook page, and I do um, advice. You know, I give live advice every week. And mm -hmm. this week, somebody their question was, my mom won't let me go to the protest what do I say to her and I think I had that like rumbling around in my brain when we were watching this episode because you know I, it, it's a big thing for a parent to like 
let a child go to a thing that could be dangerous, right? Like, you don't know. Big crowd like that is scary. And, you know, with Buffy and Joyce, we're seeing this situation where Joyce knows there's, like, mega danger. But she sees something in Buffy where she's, like, she looks like she knows what she's doing and I have to trust her. Um, So it just aligned for me where I was thinking about that that parent, those many parents who probably have young people in their lives right now who want to participate, who want to protest, who want to march, um, who want to be active. And they know that there's some danger there, um, that mm-hmm. there could be danger there. Um, and, and seeing if you can trust uh, the greater good to protect your kid and let them march or let them you know, in Buffy's case, crawl up into the ceiling and fight vampires. (laughs) Uh, I just, I think it's interesting. And I don't know how I would feel, you know. It's like I know that I took myself to a march today, but I don't know how I would feel if I had a kid and my kid, I would let them go. But I think I would be Stressed out. Yeah, super stressed out. So anyway, that was some more feelings by Kristen. Those were so good. Thank Such you. good feeling. Thank you so much. I also love that Buffy isn't like a shut up mom. Just let me do what I'm doing. She's like, I know they're dangerous. That's why I'm going to go up through the sea. Like she like is respectful, Mm -hmm. is clear and also like says what, you know, says not necessarily what her mom needs, needs to hear, like would most want to hear. Right. But like says something that will help her mom feel better and be less afraid. Yeah. We really learn uh, about how Buffy and Joyce together handle crisis in this episode, right? Because there really is a lot of, and I and I do think that sometimes it takes a crisis to bring out those skills in us where we can be like so narrowly focused and clear-headed. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I'm just laughing at how bad I am in a crisis. <laughs> Jenny is horrible in a crisis. It is true. One time Kristen was cutting an avocado and she like slashed open the webbing between oh, two of her fingers. Oh God, I'm sorry everyone. They just got... Or, like just, just got science. yanked into it's a... just science oh you and just... she was like bleeding oh. like crazy and she was like jenny jenny and i was like i wasn't ah! no do you want to know what's hysterical i was not bleeding like crazy jenny at all oh because I, I cut myself really bad but i immediately like knew that it was really bad and i like picked my hand up above my head so it was high up so you're great in a crisis i was i was i was great in a crisis and i but i wasn't wearing so i had like a you know i was at the house in my pajamas or something and i knew we needed to go to it was very clear to me that we that needed we, to go to the we ER. needed to go to the er um but i did i wasn't wearing like a bra which Hey, revolution. Why did I need one? But I felt I did. And so I was like, can you just, all I need from you is to help me get this sports bra over my head. Can you, and she was losing it so Have you ever seen a chicken doing like laps have you ever seen a yard. any sitcom where a woman goes into labor and her husband is there and like the way that every sitcom treats it is that the husband like just spins around and the husband winds up needing the oxygen. Loss and of central nervous system That was control. Jenny. That was just, so I had to sit her down and get the sports bra on myself. You did manage to drive at least to the emergency room. I have room. my skills. <laughs> I have my uses. But yeah, total panic. Same thing when I spilled a whole gallon of boiling water on my body. I did yeah. that too. Don't let me in the kitchen is the lesson Yeah, here. well, if you are going to let her in the kitchen, make sure somebody besides me is around. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So oh, the other thing, sorry. The other yeah. thing about people in a crisis is just real quick after Xander has left the library and it's just Giles and Jenny Calendar. Giles is like, yo, I got to go out there. He starts unbarricading the door. 
And uh, Jenny's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I am responsible for her, which is like such a sweet yeah. dad moment. Yeah. And then you think Jenny Callender's going to maybe like argue with him, but she's like, Rupert, be careful. Oh, because they love and each then, other. Yeah, because they love each other. And then Buffy, of course, falls through the ceiling because she is up there above the library uh-huh. and grabs her weapons bag and is like, yo, you need to stay in here because... If I don't make it out of here, I know that you will get my mom out of here. It's very beautiful. It is very beautiful. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. Giles is a dad. God, this it's happening. I want to just say out loud, it is happening. We are falling in love with these characters. I know many of us are already in love with these characters, but this is when it starts to happen to you. If you're watching for the first time, you're starting to slide down the slippery slope where we love these characters. They're beautiful characters and their relationships are complex Oh, it's so good. It's so good. So anyway, there's a whole big fight scene. People are dying. The right people are dying. <laughs> meaning the non-people are dying. Except for that poor teacher who Spike R.I.P. Spike kills just to for kill, fun. which is yep. a important personality trait that we glean. Uh, we also, Spike. what's so great, <laughs> uh, when Spike and Buffy are just about to fight, when they're acknowledging that they're about to fight. Yeah. And I'm like, do we even need weapons? And yeah. Spike is like, they make me feel all manly and like runs his hand down his abdomen a little <laughs> bit, which for some reason is just so great. And he, he also says like the last layer I killed begged for her life. You don't seem like the type to beg. Accurate. Accurate. Nailed it. Right. Very observant, Spike. <laughs> and also I think they're third, third in line, but maybe second. Like there's some fucking sexual tension. I think. Yeah, there's Spike something there. And, I mean, in this scene, specifically in this yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. And maybe in the in the bronze, too. Two titans too. converge. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Um, so they fight. Spike rips. I mean, he literally puts his hand into the wall and rips out a two by four. That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. Uh, indicator of Spike's magnitude in terms of strength. Yes, He's over Buffy. I, I still don't think, uh, even if, uh, with Joyce or not, I think that. Buffy would have rolled. Yes. But um, but Buffy's definitely in peril here. And, and it's very satisfying Joyce, for Joyce to be the person who yes. deals that blow to the back She's of She's like, you don't head. fuck with my daughter, Clank. And then he's like, women. And then we're like, the patriarchy. <laughs> and then he runs off into the night and ch- go back and watch his little hop out the window. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. I feel like it's a very spiky hop. Like, I yeah. feel like he does like he like hops over things and into things that's like a mm. thing we'll, we'll we'll see if we notice more of that yeah um right and we've already talked about the police and snyder this important moment that happens between them um angel and xander fucking married couple moment where they're like oh walking away and he's like but what about the firing what does that mean and what what would have happened if uh if he did believe you and he's like ah he would have bit you <laughs> 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 just a cute little Cute little moment between uh, the large men of Buffy. Yeah. Then um, Joyce indicates to Buffy that she gets it. Yeah. And she's really proud of Buffy for being yes. able to take care of herself and thinking of other people first in a crisis. Which, which is, is like, so great. And also really what Buffy is after in this episode. You know, like Buffy doesn't want Joyce to not be proud of her. And and, and she doesn't want Joyce to think that she's going to cause trouble. And she doesn't want to cause trouble. And what's really interesting, too, is, is like sort of the focus on like uh, – which is like so true to life. There's this extreme focus on testing, on academics, and yeah. in particular on yeah. testing, which is specifically brought up, uh, testing and, and grades. And that Buffy is able to show her mom that there's a lot to be proud of about Buffy. Right. Uh, without 
involving like any academic mm-hmm. scores or qualifiers. That's really important because I feel like that's not something we see a ton yeah. in TV and film. Yeah, no, it's true. And we don't you know? see at all in real life. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, look. Real life skills that like saved lives and like took care of people. Right. That has to count for something. And also on top of, I think, Joyce understanding that element, she also has gotten a window into Principal Snyder, which is really important because she saw what a fucking, <clears throat> yeah, he was. Um, and so that, I think, informs also what he said to her in the office earlier. She's not taking it yeah. as seriously because she realized that, you know what, when shit went down, the principal was horrible and my daughter saved the day. So yeah. maybe I should trust my daughter a little bit more than I trust the administration of a school. And you know what? In uh, a good amount of cases, that could be correct. And that is not speaking um, negatively about the fantastic teachers of the world. But I think I think if you're a fantastic teacher, you probably are nodding your head in agreement at some of the horrendous things that happen in, in administration at schools um, and some of the horrible ways that, you know, adults treat teenagers. And in, children. And children, yeah. Children. Like, it's it's a whole thing. <sighs> Anyhow... Uh, it's a nice ending. Ah, but not Jenny quite. Jenny Callender still wants to date oh, yes. Giles. Yes, yes. Angel and Xander. Another arm. Going home to watch a good episode of television together. Or we've got oh my god. <laughs> and we've got two great things that happen that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, the last two things that happen in the episode. First of all, oh yeah, no, I have more things. Cordelia and Willow are still in the utility closet. Yes, that is one of my things. Cordelia is praying and also. Uh, <laughs> Announcing that she does not consider herself responsible for her actions during that time of the month. (laughs) Which, for some reason, on a show that's, like, being written and directed by dude, like, it's like, oh, the patriarchy. But for some reason, coming out of Cordelia's mouth, it's just like, yeah. 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 Also, when she's, like, in a utility closet. Talking about talking about being a lady with Willow and being a lady. Right. And Willow's over it. She's got a headache. Yeah. She's like, are we ever going to make out again? Right. She's disappointed because she she was like, let's make out. And then they made out. And Cordelia was like, okay, but now I should pray. That's how the scene (laughs) went. We've all been there. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. So. And then, then of course, the annoying one. Yeah. As as so named by Spike. Um. Gets put in a cage and killed. And I don't know what he is because he dies the same way a vampire would die in the light. But we are not to believe that he was a vampire. A vampire. I think <laughs> this requires additional research and perhaps a reflection on the original prophecy about one mm. rising from the ashes of five and da-da-da-da-da. But Right, right, right. I'm totally sure. Is he like... More than a vampire. Is he a vampire and then some? Do you know what I don't care about? What he is. I don't. He's gone. He's dead. Hooray. The peasants rejoice. (laughs) Ding dong. The anointed one is dead. Oh, God. This show just got even better. And then, and Spike, I think, like, kills everybody in the room, really, right? They were like, well, there was just there that was just one, the minion, got, that one like, minion. and I don't know if that minion is dead or just unconscious. Oh, maybe he just punches him. Whatever. But it's it's very clear at the end of this scene, Spike and Drusilla have, in fact, moved in. They are here. They are here to stay. And oh, how happy I am about it. Bow, 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 bow. Wow. So that was school hard. Whew. 
What a great episode. Fantastic episode. How exciting. I have not screamed this much during an episode since the start of the series. <laughs> I, I was very full of enthusiasm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. When was the last time? You screamed a lot during Prophecy Girl. You screamed a lot during Angel. Oh, uh-huh, but not like that. But not like not that. Not like this. No, no. No, not it's like this. I, I, feel, I feel we have rounded a bend and we are just... Plummeting into the abyss of wonder that Yay! is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Abyss of wonder. Uh, so, thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Tell them who you are. You oh, know? don't mind if I do. <laughs> you know? I've got that information, if nothing else. Yeah, I know you do. I am Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not watching Buffy and making this podcast with my wonderful wife, Kristen... And also, when I'm not marching at the Women's March in Los Angeles or points elsewhere, I'm usually writing and recording songs. That's my gig. Uh, you can learn more about me at jennyowenyoungs.com slash buffering, where I have taken the liberty of curating a little playlist of my non-Buffy songs for you guys if you want to check them out. You can also give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Woo! Thank you for calling me your wonderful wife. You are my so wonderful wife. So nice. So nice to um, hear that compliment. <laughs> I feel the same way about you. Um, uh, yeah, it's true. I like you. But who are you? <laughs> well, my name is Kristen Russo. Ah. Um, and if you want to check out more about me, you can follow me on Twitter, Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. I know that... <laughs> Many of you listen every week because some of you have started sending me emails to Kristen, N-O-E-L-I-N-E, with like hyphens between all the letters because I (laughs) spell it every week. But I'm just spelling it because what if you were listening for the first time? I don't know. Um, Anyhow, you can find me on Twitter uh, or you can also find out more about the work that I do for LGBTQ young people and their families over at everyoneisgay.com and mykidisgay.com. So, yeah, that's me. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter and Facebook at BufferingCast. You could also drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. A reminder that if you live in the Los Angeles area, you can see us next week. Oh, yeah. February 2nd. Please come out and join us at NerdMelt. Uh, information is at NerdMeltLA.com. We will have guests. Chris Farron. Brittany Nichols, we're going to be doing uh, a full episode of Reptile Boy. Woo! So watch it before you come. Ow, ow, ow. And we'll also be playing a little bit of music. It's going to be so much fun. Come one hoot, one holler, at least. At guaranteed. least. At least a hoot and a holler. Um, and of course, as always, please, if you can support us, we just launched our very own Patreon page over at patreon.com slash bufferingcast. There's all sorts of cool rewards over there. Last week, uh, I made a behind-the-scenes video mm-hmm. of Jenny and I writing the bridge to, what was last week's episode called? Ooh, not when she was bad, but Oh, rather... no, it was, but it was the bridge oh, to oh, when oh, she oh. was bad, yes. So a couple weeks ago, I made a behind-the-scenes video uh, of us creating that, like writing it uh, in real time, and I'm going to edit that and put it up um, this week. Uh, that's for our $5 patrons, and our $5 patrons also always get the mp3 of the song the week that it goes up so Indeed. if you if you don't want to wait until the end of the season to get the album you can support us at the five dollar level you can also support us at the dollar level or the ten dollar level and get fun prizes you can check it all out over on patreon thank you so much 
to the people who have supported us already, it has been, an, we have seen an incredible response. Yes. Um, but at the, my most recent check, we were above $300 um, already in just two weeks of having that Patreon page up. So um, please, if you can, keep the support coming. It's really helpful to us in keeping this sounding good and, you know, keeping our lives uh, moving forward because <laughs> we do take a considerable amount of time watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, writing songs and making the podcast, which we love. Um, but it's very helpful and we are very appreciative of all of you. So thanks. Another way that you can support us is by giving us a review on iTunes. Give us those five stars and tell us why you like us. If you have negative things to say, keep it to yourself. Yeah, keep it to yourself. <laughs> you can also find our album of the songs from season one on iTunes, on Spotify, on wherever you get your digital music. That's true. And, and we, uh, have we have a handful. A handful of CDs left still in uh, the buffering store. Yes, yes. Along with pins and T-shirts. Good gravy. Good. There's a lot to do. You have a lot. Let's let you go. You've got a lot yes. of homework. <laughs> uh, enjoy that homework. And yeah. till next time. Ow. This week, while we were writing the episode song, we felt a sudden twinge. Something was missing. That something was a jingle for our beloved Drusilla. Without further ado, here you go. Drusilla, you.
patron at the five dollar level or higher that little jingle and today's song are already up for your downloading pleasure and very soon you'll also be able to get your very own drusilla ringtone what a day bye hey there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.